sports and basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. All right, welcome into another episode of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. Uh, I'm back, Bob. Uh, I'm back for about, uh, I don't know, 30 hours or so before (laughs) I head to New Orleans and, and, uh, I love this time of year, but I, I kind of, I won't lie to you. Um, the traveling at this stage uh, hits me a little bit and it's been uh, a little crazy. I did a couple of weeks ago. It started with big East tournament for a day in Madison square garden, big 10 tournament the next day where I joined my daughter uh, in Indy, then Vegas where I literally didn't see the outside of the casino for four days, pretty much. Then went straight from Vegas to Buffalo, Buffalo to Pittsburgh, back to Buffalo, came home for a couple of days, and then have been in Chicago the last five days. And the sad part, I haven't seen a ton of great games, uh, but there have been there have been some good games. This tournament, I feel like, hasn't had the buzzer beaters. Thank God we had St. Peter's, because mm-hmm. I think without St. Peter's, this might have been a little bit of a blah tournament early on am am i am i crazy to say that or no i mean again i was at my own spot so it was really hard to kind of take in the big picture you were taking in the big picture bob what's it been like right i was taking in the big picture which is uh and one of the my overriding impression is the number of disturbingly awful first halves i've seen in games low scoring first games first halves posing the question was it defense or was it lack of offense and the conclusion i finally reached it was pretty good defense combined with tightness. Too many, te- yeah. I think teams were tight more than usual for some reason. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because second halves were usually better to some degree, although Villanova went up 50 to 44 in that game, which yeah. is hard to believe. But um, no, there haven't been a lot of great games. The best game off the top of my head yeah. that I saw, because I didn't watch it, yeah. was UCLA and Carolina. That was a pretty well-played game. Um I, I, I could have gone either way. The Baylor, hey, that Baylor Carolina game was ridiculous. Oh, well, the that second was, half. Yeah, that's a different, right. Right. Because that, that was, was fun. Two half game. Yeah. And then finally, Carolina pulled themselves together, surprisingly, based on the punch that they took. When you give up a 25 point lead in 10 minutes, that's really astonishing. Yep. And, and yet they did pull themselves together and have a decent overtime. No, it hasn't been a great tournament, but what they've given us is the blue bloodiest final four of our lifetime. Yes. And hopefully it'll now, maybe we'll get our, re- our artistic reward. Uh, thanks to that. It. Although Justin Moore injury puts a cloud over that game and the, and the whole thing, which I, I hate what I call loose ends. That's a major loose end. I'm sorry it happened. I'm curious to know, because I was really torn on this, Bob, who were you? Ro- I, I think I know the answer. I hope the answer was the Peacocks, but who were you rooting for in that St. Peter's Carolina game? Um, oh, I would have, I would have loved. Obviously, I would have loved the Peacocks, but I didn't think I, you know, never dreamed. I said, but it was going to end. It had to end. Yep. They, they, and and it did. And and that carriage turned into a pumpkin in about five minutes yeah, of the did. game. Nine nothing. They never recovered from that. And next thing you know, it's thirty-one thirteen, I think, and and off we go. You know, that was it. It, it was sad, uh, 
reality check, frankly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. No doubt. Cool. No doubt. You know, again, on one hand, you're like, all right, now you get K against Carolina with everything <laughs> on the line. We know what happened a couple of weeks ago. I was there at Cameron when Duke was completely embarrassed. Um, their players were, were in a state of shock after that game. And I think, I mean, honestly, my guess is when they saw the bracket, they wanted to see Carolina again, the Duke players. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't, I would hope they would, right. frankly. Right. Um, and and it, it's, you know, both of them, you know, they pulled themselves together from, and if just after they lost to Virginia Tech, and I'm like one of the many thinking, well, the pressure's too much for these kids. But now they're, they seem to settle down. And, and the two guys have really stepped up. Well, forgive me for using that phrase. The two guys who have really played very well, uh, Boncaro and Roach, particularly. Now, of course, Moore and Griffin are good, too. And they have, they're talented. There's no doubt there is. It's a very talented team. But uh, they, they, they needed more than just talent. And they, you know, and, and they're, they seem to be playing up to their the appropriate level now. Yeah. I mean, listen, again, we knew they had talent. They have more talent than everybody else. I mean, you look at, like Villanova, even with Justin Moore, you know, how many lock NBA players do they have on that Villanova team? They might have zero. You know, Duke's got two lottery picks in, in Ben Caro and, and, and Griffin. And Mark Williams is Williams. going to play in the league for a long, long time. I, he's not your traditional big. I mean, he's big, but he's athletic. You know, he, he can do a lot of things that, that kind of the old school bigs, Jaleel Okafor, couldn't do which is play above the rim, block shots, yeah. all three. Like, he could be Clint Capella, for sure. Right, exactly. That's a good one. Yeah, you're right. And that's a you – know, he's going to be in the league that, you know, 12 years. There's no question. No, no, they're, they're, they have the most raw talent. Yes. And, and they have to out, so – but I can so, make the devil's argument for any of the four, although Villanova now without Morris yeah. is, you know, just a shame. Well, they play six guys normally. Bob, they, they play six guys. Now you take away more who's their best pure shooter. Now, again, if, if you want somebody taking the last shot, you're probably going to call on Colin Gillespie. But Justin Moore is so critical to everything they do. Um, and now he's done for the year. Now they're down to five guys. One of those five is Eric Dixon, who's 6'8", 250. And as you know, nobody uses their big quite like Bill Self does at Kansas. He doesn't have great bigs, David McCormick and Mitch Lightfoot, but he finds a way to utilize his bigs in the post probably more than any coach other than like Roy when Roy was coaching. That, that was it. And, and to me, that's where you worry about Villanova, not only being without Justin Moore, even if they had Justin Moore, they have one big. And I think mm-hmm. Bill Self's going to find a way to get that one big on the bench with foul trouble. And then it's going to be, Brandon Slater at the five. And then really Villanova's just got to trade threes for twos. And that's yeah. their only chance to, to win this game. They got to go, you know, 10 for 20 from three. And then they got a chance. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I'll buy that. Um, Kansas, uh, um, McCormick to me, is they, they don't utilize him well enough, enough yet all the time. And if they do find a way to do that, it's going to be real trouble for Villanova. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, listen, um, it, it, it's it's crazy. Again, do you consider Villanova blue blood? I tweeted that out and everybody got on me. 
looking at in, in, in context of recent history, no one's had a better recent history in the last six years in, in the tournament than Villanova. They've won the most games. They've got two championships. They're now back to a third Final Four. Damn right I do. Yeah. Uh, and this is their, you know, it's not like they've never been there before. I, I forgot. I didn't realize in 1939, you know, they, they, they went to the four. When no one was talking about a four then, of course. But I well remember 1971 and that, that, that tremendous game against Western Kentucky. Some of us remember. Some of us don't remember 1971, Bob. I remember it very well. Some of us were born in 71. I call that the Howard Porter team, you know. (laughs) Howard Porter was a huge scandal. Howard Porter, they found out he had signed with an agent. I guess they officially vacated. That's the other thing that people don't realize, how many vacations, vacated things there are historically. So many of them, so retroactive. Doesn't even matter. I mean, but like in 61, St. Joe's was vacated, you know, in 60, 71, Villanova was vacated. There's lots of vacated. Anyway, Villanova was there in 71. Villanova, of course, one of my two favorite all-time college games that I ever covered or, or, and I, or witnessed were Villanova and Georgetown in 85. And, of course, the 30th anniversary we just had of Duke and Kentucky yep. in 92. But Villanova with Georgetown, you know. So, anyway, they – that's a basketball tradition school. Basketball matters. The culture. There's a, there, there always was. I mean, Alex Severance in the 50s, I'm telling you. And then Jack Kraft in the next era. And, of course, you know, Wally. And now we've got Jay. Basketball matters. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, and again, I'm with you. I, I, I go with Kansas here largely because Villanova is going to be without their probably second best That's- player. Yeah, I mean that's that's the reason. But yep. yeah, now am I going to root for them? Damn right I am. Uh, I'm rooting for them. Now, I, you know, I was rooting for me for Gonzaga because I wanted to be right for once. You know, I mean, I'm and, like, and you wanted, and and I don't know about you, but I was always, and I, I'll continue to be tired of the the naysayers that are like, well, he can never win the big one. Like the fact that he's there every year is winning the big one. If you go to Spokane, Washington, and you you and I are going to go next year, we're going <laughs> to go to Spokane. That is our trip, Bob. That All is right. our trip next year. All right. As clearly, this was yeah. All right. Clearly, this wasn't their best team. You know, I mean, yeah. it wasn't deep enough. Number one, and and Holmgren, I never trusted. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, I don't know what to make of him. Ultimately, uh, you know, nobody you know, does. What, what do you do with that body? I mean, it, there's no body type like that nope. at that size that's ever in the recent annals of the NBA. None. Name me. Okay, how's the skinny guys? Brand, Brandon Ingram, the skinny guy. There's a couple skinny guys, but not at seven one to that point. You know who's you know who's skinny at seven feet like that? I'll give you a name. Uh, not not the same player, not the same level talent or anything. Brad Sellers. Oh really? That you go that's I I mean, remember him? I can't, remember. I can't. I mean, I know he was six eleven. Yeah, skinny could shoot it. Like yeah. again, not the okay. same. But he liked to stand out there and shoot it. He was he was pretty, but not as skinny as Chet. Chet's I mean, got the kind of inverted chest, almost like somebody compared him. Obviously, this guy's much bigger and stronger, but somebody compared him how he, uh, how he, the hunchbacks to Kevin McHale a little bit to how he runs. But Kevin McHale had 50 pounds on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kevin was, right. you know, raw bone, but sturdier than this kid. I mean, right. Might, you know, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Well, anyway, uh, so I was rooting. I am so I'm back, left rooting for, for Villanova for, for yep. Jay for, for the whole thing, and that's that's fine. And but um, 
I'm not get, you know, I have nothing. I have no antagonism here. I don't, I'm not against anybody at all. At Are all. you going to enjoy this Coach K love fest that is going to go on this week, or is it going to be too much where you're just going to say, I just want the game to get here already every time I flip on? Now, again, we haven't had – like you look around and it's been NFL, a lot of NFL signings. So, really, I don't think the Final Four – has gotten as much attention or the NCAA tournament has gotten as much attention nationally as it usually gets because of all these NFL moves, uh, whether it's been Tom Brady or uh, Tyreek Hill or whatever it is. Now I think it gets center stage largely because of the blue bloods, the ratings and coach K. Well, you would think it would. I mean, it, it is such as a, as a, on paper, such a fascinating final four in that regard. You realize we've got 61 cumulative final four appearances and 16 championships. And I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, now as the years have gone on the last 25 years or so, there usually there's three predictable ones and one somewhat outlier. And, and still even, is. Though Carolina, even though Carolina's in eight, they're a different kind of a, they're not an outlier. I'm sorry. I, know I can't call eight. them Cinderella. Bob, I can't call them Cinderella. No, they're not. They're, 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 this is a it just took them a while to kick in. They're a blue blood, damn it. They're officially a blue blood. No, they're definitely a blue blood. But 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 what I will say, and this is really interesting, is I was saying really before Carolina went to Cameron and beat Duke on Coach K Day, uh, I was saying Hubert Davis had completely underachieved with this team. And he had. He had. They were on the bubble at that point. Before that game, they were gonna get in. But you were talking, honestly, about maybe an 11 seed. I mean, they probably weren't going to be in the first four. They're probably an 11 before mm-hmm. they, they, they beat Duke. And the whole narrative has changed on Hubert Davis within a what, – what, what was that date? That date was uh, the 5th, 23 days ago. 23 mm-hmm. days, the complete narrative has changed on Hubert Davis because ultimately – what would you rather have? I mean, they should build a statue of him right now because if you told any Carolina fan, hey, you're going to be mediocre in the regular season, but you're going to beat Coach Cannon's final home game at Cameron, and then you're going to go to the Final Four, they would be like, where do we sign up? We're in. No, right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. No, that's very interesting. But, uh, you know, I don't envy anybody taking on the, the guy after the guy jobs. next. God forbid – John Shire next year, you know, I don't wouldn't want I wouldn't want to be John Shire next year. Oh yeah, imagine. But no, um, no, no, especially but, coming off this year now. Like it'd be one thing if Duke had had two consecutive down years, you could kind of then say, all right, he's bringing in a great class. The the you know, now if K wins another one, and again, it's only been one in the last 10 years. I mean, we've got to remember, like the last 10 years of the Duke of K. Mm-hmm. are not like blow away great. No yeah. ACC regular season titles before this year. Mm-hmm. And one, one title, one national title. So like by Duke standards, by K, not unbelievable, but in the totality, obviously, of what K has done in his career, 40 plus years, insane. Consider this, uh, we're talking about coaching longevity. And the other three coaches who aren't Hubert Davis combined – have I believe 82 seasons plus at the helm to Hubert's creeping up to one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like, and Hubert's probably 
I don't even know the age off the top of my head, but he's probably about maybe a little bit younger than Bill Self, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's Jay Wright was in the mid nineties. Yeah. yeah, I mean Jay Wright and Bill Self are probably similar age. So in, Jay in the mid fifties, and yeah. and Hubert, I don't know, he's got to be around you know fifty, probably similar. Yeah. So anyway, that it uh, that in that aspect's really going to be good. But uh, uh, what else on the tournament? Um, I don't know. It just, but what, okay. So here's another one. Here's another one. We haven't talked about this. You and Gary might've uh, a couple of weeks ago when it happened, but how do you evaluate John Calipari now at Kentucky? Because they had a great regular season coming off a, a horrible regular season last year yeah. due to COVID to some degree. Um, they, they were great in the regular season. Everybody was happy. This is a team that's got a chance. I picked them to go to the, uh, the, the final four. And uh, they lose in the first round to at least a team that wasn't a one and done. At least St. Peter's made them look a little bit better by going all the way to the Elite Eight. Uh, but again, if you're a Kentucky fan and they're split right now, there's a lot of Kentucky fans hit me up saying, you know what? I want them out. And, and I'm saying, be careful what you wish for. Oh, yeah. Be careful what you wish for because it could get a lot worse in, in the Billy Clyde Gillespie couple years. Um, they ran Tubby out and Tubby's numbers were almost identical in the last seven years as John Calipari's his last seven years. So they ran him out because he couldn't get good enough talent. They would run out Calipari if they were going to run him out for having too much talent and, and not doing enough with it, not winning uh, enough national time. I mean, this year is just, I mean, you got to get past the first round, right? So how do you, how do you feel about John Calipari at Kentucky going forward i think uh i want to give him a little more one i'll give him another chance yeah. uh you know I, I i think he's a sound uh, over and above the recruiting thing i think he's a sound coach i, I really always always believe that um, um but you're right it's it i can understand it's a different evaluation process down there you know you're held to a different standard that they the, the whole big blue nation thing takes itself very seriously <laughs> i think it's safe to say yep. and um it it, it's it's a, it's a different kind of job. Even I, I don't know if there's one. You know, you're closer to the collegiate scene than, yeah. than I right now. Um, you know, Duke's another thing. I mean, the, the nature of what the program is all about, or what it, what K has made it uh, into. Um, but but Kentucky is just different. There's this. There's they they and even in concern even with Kansas having by the way just passed them all time. Now by two games, right? They now have one, two more games all time than Kentucky, but uh, the, it's just the nature of their fandom, the, the fanaticism of the, you know, the, the whole way it has been the single most unifying force in, in this Commonwealth of Kentucky. Really, uh, uh, it's to the extent that the, the Jayhawks, as important as they are, aren't quite that in the state of Kansas. There's no, I don't know, Alabama football, Kentucky basketball to me are very similar they're the they're the, the, the Siamese twins of college sports yep yep no I I would agree I mean listen to me unrealistic expectations to some degree but again when you're bringing in all that talent and this year you're bringing good talent and experience and good transfers then there's no excuse to me to lose in the first round right like not coming mm-hmm. off last year so I'm with them Kentucky should be doing more but I'm also with John Calipari that like, Hey, just be careful what you wish for, because if you get rid of him, 
you tell me who you, I'd like to know who they think is going to, you know, be the, the be the person for that job. You got, you know, you got to have the right person. That job I mean, is such a, like strange. an Eric Musselman, maybe, you know, he, you right. got number one is find a good coach. Like I've always said, like John Calipari's a good coach, a good coach, X's and O's, not a great one. I mean, he's a great, you know, talent accumulator. He's a great motivator. Those are his best assets. Eric Musselman is a hell of a basketball coach, in my opinion. Um, he loves the attention. He would fit Kentucky from that degree. You know, like we're talking, yeah, you got to have the right personality. Yes, yes, you got to want it. You got to be a twenty-four-seven guy. And I'm not sure Cal is that anymore. I think he was that when he got there. Oh, I don't doubt he was. Yeah, I think everybody. You get worn down. It's like dog years. He said that in Lexington. So I think you know. Listen, if if the New York Knicks fire Tibbs and they had more talent on the Knicks, his boys Leon Rose and Worldwide West, were they running things? <laughs> I could see, I could see Cal saying the hell with it. I'm going to the Knicks. I just don't think they have enough talent in the building at Madison Square Garden for John Calipari to go over there and say like, I'm going to get my brains beat in every day. Like he's not going to go to a bad NBA job. And I've said this over and over. There's only a couple NBA GMs that are going to take John Calipari and his, his ego. And the other part is everybody assumes if he takes an NBA job, he's going to get all these Kentucky guys. Listen, we saw this with Antoine Walker, Bob. It works in college, but in the NBA, when you're making more money than the coach and it's Rick Pitino or John Calipari and they're yelling at you all the time, doesn't really work, does it? No, it's a different, it's a whole different atmosphere of ballgame. Absolutely. You know, but you're right. I think it takes a certain definite, although it's funny, as we were talking about the personality thing and I'm thinking about, we just had, you know, the late Joe B. Hall. Yeah. He was a, he was a low key personality. Very. Very, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, there's no, he it wasn't can a, work. It can work, but I think today it's different, Bob. I think today it's oh, different. Yeah. That was right. You got to be out there more, you know, the world of social media and getting out in the community a little bit more. That some guys can get away with it, but I, I feel like at Kentucky, they want somebody that's going to be out there. That's going to be kind of beating their chest. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know how that, all right. So give me your picks. Duke, Carolina, you going with Duke in a revenge? Yes. I like their talent. I like the way they're playing. I think they've, yeah. they've got it figured out the way they need to do what they need to do. Roach has certainly uh, stepped, yes. you know, has asserted himself, uh, made big plays. But let's talk about Paolo for a minute. Yep. Um, he's enormously talented. There's, we know that. Now, I don't want to say he's – I'm, I'm trying to find the right word. He just didn't assert himself as, uh, consistently as much – as I thought he should be right. until now. He seems to have figured it out when he can, ha, ha, that he, you know, I, so as, as I said about LeBron, just, just to make it a, a parallel uh, on, and, and recognizing difference in the, yeah. the games, you know, the pro and, and car. I said, LeBron learned how to, w- w- started winning when he learned how to accept the idea of being the best player on the floor and acting accordingly. Yep. Jason Tatum's figuring this out right now, even as we speak, same idea. When, when you have that kind of yep. multi-skill at that size, Paolo Boncaro is incredibly talented, and 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 I, I think he's figured out when he's got to take over or when he's got to make a move to you know to get to the basket. Uh, and yet he's shooting he's shooting well on the on the three. He's got it. He's he's got that talent. It's not easy. You can have too much, not too much, but 
you know, he's got decisions to make for himself and he's learning. And I think he's making good ones now and more consistently. Another, I think he's going to be the best player on the floor in any game he plays. He should be, he should for almost any time. Yeah. Talent, no doubt. I mean, again, I've always kind of had the comparison to Chris Weber, um, big, strong, athletic, multi-dimensional, um, what we haven't seen is his his passing quite as much. I don't think he's quite the passer Chris Weber was, but everything else is there. He's even bigger and stronger. Oh, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Duke is to win that it's be, it's not because, but it's going to be in large measure because Paolo Banquero will be yep. the best player in the tournament. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree, and I'm with you. I'm picking Duke. I'm picking Kansas. And honestly, I pick Kansas – and the more I think about this, I don't like the matchup for Kansas at all if they play Duke. They've got small guards that they need to play together at times. Dewan Harris and Remy Martin, I think they'll get eaten up, to be honest, by guys like Keels, Wendell Moore. Uh, Duke's just so big at every position. So big, so strong, so athletic. So I, I, I've got Duke. I, I, I flipped it. I, I picked Kansas to win it all. And the more I think about it, the more I flipped it, and I'm going with Duke to win it all. All right, well, listen, uh, make sure you join us next week. We'll, we will have a wrap-up. Both Bob and I will be down in New Orleans all week. We'll, we'll talk about his favorite uh, lunch spot, of course, um, <laughs> which I know he will frequent multiple times when he's down there. And uh, we'll wrap up the Final Four next week. So thanks for joining us, and uh, we will see you next week.